morning, David. Monday morning, Doug. A little lounge music just to ease back into it, man. I need to, to ease I back need, into that week. Well, I need to ease because I spent all weekend binging Stranger Things. I finished. I finished both seasons <laughs> because I had not finished season one yet, so I had to go back. Now I have finished it. Would you like my... I know you've got a couple of episodes left in season two no, for people listening. No, oh, you finished? No, I finished yesterday. Okay, well, listen. I'm sure there are listeners out there right now that have not finished, so I just want to give some non-spoilery thoughts. Are you ready for this? Yes. So I thought... Season one was a thrilling, fun, nostalgic masterpiece that completely lived up to its billing. Season two, they went world building. This is what a lot of shows are doing now. Universe building, world building. And and I felt like it got a little too big for its britches, got lost in its own world a few times, a a couple of plot holes, but still had enough magical moments, lovable characters, and thrilling visuals to make up for those. Season two, David, is a lot like, stay with me here, Dwight Howard. Okay? Sure, there there are missed free throws. Yeah, they, they drive you crazy. Yeah, he's he's um he takes a, you know these inexplicable one or two like 16-footers at the beginning of a game and he misses them sure. badly. Sure. But you worry less about that when he's grabbing five offensive rebounds, three blocks, thunderous lob dunk from Jeremy Lamb or in the case of this game last night Malik Monk. That's what yes. season two is. Those character moments. It's like a lob dunk, except it makes you cry instead of cheer. Yeah, so they had a couple of challenges, I think. Namely, the kids are growing older, so they had to kind of wrap this thing, or not wrap it up, but they had to keep going. They had to keep producing content, and they had to, they had to expand the universe a little bit, I think. I think they did it just enough. I was okay with it. It, it tied back to some things that we did eventually see and you said okay i can argue with that that was a purpose for it did have basketball end reaction it had it had some of the best basketball <laughs> scenes we have seen on film in, in quite some time a lot of questionable playmaking a lot of decisions. posting up See, Just that, that was old school up. 80s basketball. See, when, when people say, I, I wish know. I wish basketball would go back to the good old days, all this three-point shooting, hoot nanny, get it out of no here. Threes. Okay, look at Stranger Things basketball. That was essentially the NBA. Hard-nosed defense and post-ups <laughs> everywhere. And weird through-the-legs layups. The, the most unnecessary acrobatic layups since, since white men can't jump for sure. And I don't think we're spoiling anything here. That was one of my favorite scenes. Another favorite scene of mine was when uh, one character, if you've watched it at all, you may know who I'm talking about here, explains his grooming techniques. I thought that was a nice little touch into his world. Um, it was fun, man. I, I think you can really deep dive on this stuff if you want, which is fun for folks. You know, there's the after show type thing on Netflix as well. I don't know if you jumped into that after you finished. There's like a, there's like a, a I talking. needed a break. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I started to, but I needed a break too. I jumped in right after I wrapped uh, episode nine. It's just fun. It's a fun show. All right. Let's start our show. How about that? Mm. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, in a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> This is Locked On Stranger Things. I'm sorry, I mean Locked On Hornets. 
<laughs> your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcast on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. Just gave our, if you missed the pre-show, we just gave our uh, thoughts on Stranger Things. So uh, check that out. If you're if you're watching us live on youtube.com forward slash locked on hornets, you can hit the uh, you can hit the podcast feed up to listen to those thoughts. Double M15 in the chat right now saying, What up, Nest? Jack from Scotland saying what up? Gray. All right. Gray, I haven't seen Gray in the chat before saying we live. All right, Gray. Welcome into the chat. If you've been in before, I, I apologize, but just seeing that name. For the first time, we are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful Uptown Charlotte. If you want to make more money in sales, the Gittimer Learning Academy can help you today. Visit GittimerLearningAcademy.com for more information. I'm Doug Branson. I'm joined by David Walker from the mean streets of Cotswold. David, how are you? Speaking of gray, it is gray out here. Man on the street in Charlotte, Doug, it's a little gray. Now the, the temperature is really cool, 65 <laughs> degrees. All right. Uh, this show is brought to you by Frame Warehouse. Visit framewarehouse.net to get the guaranteed best price on your next framing project. Frame Warehouse, our choice for framing in Charlotte. And we're also brought to you by Knight Residential Group. If you've been thinking about a home renovation here in Charlotte, make sure you use the best team in the Queen City. That's Knight Residential Group. Dot com. All right, we're getting right into it. This weekend recap, couple of games. The Hornets starting a road trip, four-game road trip. Hornets finished the first half of that coast-to-coast road trip 0-2. They played San Antonio tough but could not withstand 64 points from the Spurs bench. And Patty Mills doing a Malik Monk impression and dropping four threes in the fourth quarter. They followed that up, the Hornets did, with a day of rest. And then last night, David... They caught a beat down in Minnesota, an old-fashioned yeah. beat down. Uh, David, what's your take on a cool start to this four-game road trip? First of all, that Minnesota game was something we have not seen yet from the Hornets this offseason, and that was a big old stinking egg. I mean, that was just a nasty game. It was a, you know, they haven't really laid an egg yet, and they played tough in all these games, but that one was just too much for them last night. Clifford mentioned it after the game, a complete disinterest in playing any semblance of defense, I think was a story in that one. I mean, you could throw the bench in there as well. And Kimball Walker struggles. And that may be what this whole thing comes down to. But the the defining characteristic of this team is defense. It leads to their easy buckets on offense. So without one, they just don't have the other. And they don't have the type of firepower you know, minus Kemba on those nights to overcome that against good teams, right? And Minnesota was certainly rolling last night. The Hornets actually shot pretty well, but just didn't play well enough to win. Not on Minnesota's home floor, not with a team with that kind of depth and guys coming off the bench, you know, drilling threes. And a little similar to the Spurs game. I mean, the Spurs, you look at Popovich, he's not going to lose five in a row, whatever. So that was going to be a tough mountain to climb. And they always have some guy that's going to come out of nowhere. And if you're not playing right, if you're not locked in, and if you don't have Kemba, I think, going on all cylinders, then that's going to be a tough win as well. So, I mean, a tough a tough start to the road trip. But we should mention no MKG in either one of those games. Hornets 4-1 and one with MKG in the lineup this year. Not so much with him out of the lineup. He does make a difference. I spoke about the defensive intensity certainly there. But just having all the parts together is key for the Hornets. But, you know, that Spurs game, that was going to be a good test. I thought they actually played 
well enough to be in the game. They were in it, but listen, that's just not a game you're going to win unless you uh, come with all facets and stay locked in, and they did. So Great points there, David. We're going to hear from Steve Clifford coming up, and I've also posted a poll on Twitter right now. Should Jeremy Lamb start alongside Nick Batum when Nick returns? Jeremy Lamb playing very good basketball. We're going to talk about him, share some stats with you uh, later on in the show. But first, I don't know if you know this, David. But this is the absolute best time of the year to get something framed. Whether it's a holiday gift, a home decoration, or something for your bonus room, now is the time to get your framing project done and get it done right with our friends at Frame Warehouse. We're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. Local business, they've been tied to the community, they have the guaranteed best price on every framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. We're talking about sports memorabilia, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, some jerseys. I have a few jerseys framed up from Frame Warehouse. They'll even frame that picture of Anthony Geiger you've been hanging on to since the 1990s. Get Geiger! Get the Geiger counter up on the wall, guys. The best part is that Frame Warehouse makes the whole process super easy, and I don't know about you, but I need easy. Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the process and turn your project around quickly and for an amazing price. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net to find the one near you and tell them Locked On Hornets sent you and give them a Go Hornets, Go America, Let's Swarm Charlotte. Again, let us know what you think on the live chat uh, here, youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. Make sure you're voting in our Twitter poll. Should Jeremy Lamb start alongside Nick Batum when Nick returns? David, you mentioned Steve Clifford there in your comments. He was not happy with the Hornets' performance in this game. Let's hear from him after after this one. You get missed offensively, there's frustration, right? You miss an open shot, there's frustration. And then we don't run back and defend. Yet there's no frustration when we're getting lined up one-on-one or we miss a pick-and-roll rotation or anything like that. We have it completely wrong. It's It's not as if... The Hornets haven't played poorly at times or in stretches this season. It's not like the Hornets haven't been undermanned and overwhelmed at times. But until last night, they had also not given up on a game, David, mentally. And uh, Coach Delaney said in his halftime interview with Steph Reddy that the Hornets needed more fight and they just didn't come out with it uh, or, or enough fight in this one. The Hornets have depended on their big three, Kimball Walker, Dwight Howard, Jeremy Lamb, to set the tone offensively and defensively. All three were frustrated last night by shots that didn't go in, calls that they didn't get, or times when they thought they should get the ball, and and it leaked into their defense. It leaked into how they got back. It leaked into their rebounding, too. I thought uh, both... Uh, Dwight Howard and um, I thought Dwight Howard and Kaminsky struggled to keep the the Minnesota Timberwolves off the boards. Kimba let Teague blow by him several times, and Lamb had a few short closes. I mean, those are issues that when you're playing a team like Minnesota that has so much firepower, that has Wiggins and Butler and Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, it was just it was mismatched city. 
So when you're going into a game when you're you're already sort of behind the eight ball because you're down MKG, you're already going to throw yourself into some mismatches. You have to absolutely be locked into your effort, your intensity, your defense, and the Hornets were not, and that's why they got absolutely smoked. And this, I thought, was an opportunity to show the NBA – the, the world, that they, they had a, an opportunity to have an elite defense this season. This was the first test because Minnesota had a special offense, has a special offense, and, and I thought th- they've had their moments, David, but the Hornets failed their first test defensively uh, in, in 10 games. Yeah, and no MKG, of course. I mean, I think that definitely plays a part, but I think you're right. you got to kind of point the finger at those veteran leaders because – You've got a number of guys on this team that are playing big minutes that don't have the experience, Stanley and your rookies, Monk and Bacon, but also Trevion Graham. And also really, I mean, Lamb's been out there, yes, but I think it really does come down to some of the leadership qualities, not the leadership qualities, but just the play last night. Like if your head guys are not locked in and and they're being a little lackadaisical and, you know, the the surprising part you mentioned was T won by Kimba so many times. Um, That was odd to see. So, you know, everybody has off nights, but when you need your main guys to kind of pull everybody up together and stay focused, that just didn't happen. I didn't see a lot of talking out there during the play. You know, there's a ton of talking at the refs, as you mentioned, after the whistle blew, but it didn't look like there was a lot of communication on defense. And man, Clifford's been harping on that one-on-one responsibility defense, you know, keeping your man in front of you and, and things like that. For since last season, and that was it, it was as bad as we've seen this season last night from that standpoint. Because you're right, the guys are just blowing by, getting good looks. You know, closeouts weren't there. Yeah, it's just one of those, just one of those dud games, man. And I mean, Clifford sounded certainly irritated, but sounded like he gave them a stern, stern talking to. You know, he's not panicking. That's not his style, certainly. But uh, continues to just go back to what doesn't work for them, and that's. And they don't play defense. Well, look, they're coming back east. They're going to play. Uh, they're going to play the Knicks, who are, are playing good basketball right now, and then the Celtics. So uh, this this could be a, a this has to be a turning point for the Hornets because a, a big storyline last season was this Hornets team not necessarily picking up what Clifford was throwing down at them in, in terms of challenging them to be more physical, challenging them to be more intense defensively and overcome some of the issues that they had because they didn't have a physical presence like Dwight Howard underneath. So let's see if, if the Hornets step up to this challenge now that Clifford laid it out to the guys after the game and uh, he, he expressed it to the media as well. Um, the, the, let's let's dig into this game a little deeper, David. The Wolves' wings were near unstoppable last night. Wiggins goes 8 for 12 for 20 points. Butler, 4 of 6 from the field, had two threes, finished the game with 13 points, didn't play much in that final frame. Uh, how much was Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and his absence felt in this one? And just real quick before you answer that, David, there's some questions on the chat about MKG's absence. This was... Another uh, excused absence for personal reasons. This really had nothing to do with injury or illness. Um, one would presume that it that it may have something to do again with the 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 death of his grandmother that was reported by the Observer. There's no definitive answer on that. Kind of keeping that close to the vest still. But um, yeah, uh, so another excused absence for Michael Kidd Gilchrist. How much was his absence felt in this one? Yeah, I think it's felt every night he's not out there. As I mentioned, the record with him four and one is you know drastically different than when he's not out there. Um, 
and especially on the wings, like you mentioned, like last night, man, how many guys did they have? It's like you look up and every time a new guy comes in for them in the back order on the wing, it's 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 a name at least, right? Like they got Shabazz Muhammad. They even had Aaron oh, Brooks. Uh, 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 he wants to be called Baz now. No, I thought that was Shabazz Napier. No, that was Shabazz That's Muhammad. Shabazz Muhammad. Wants, okay, so it's he's Baz. Baz. There's okay. one name. Well, Mike they didn't Muhammad. do that during the game last night. That's what confused me. Anyway, well, it's, it takes um, some time to catch on. <laughs> maybe it's not legal yet. Um, yeah, so they had so much depth. You didn't mention Jamal Crawford, but holy Lord, he is still cooking at age, like, what, 50? So, I mean, yeah, you, you throw MKG at any one of those guys to, to stop him a little bit. But I, it was going to take more than MKG being in a game last night for this team to win because, as you mentioned, there was no attention to detail on well, defense well, whatsoever. Here's, here's what happened, David. This is where MKG's absence was really felt was at the – End or, or the middle of the second quarter when the Wolves began what would be a 21-4 run that, that really extended the lead for the Wolves and the Hornets were never yeah. able to get back into this game. What happened is that, that Clifford decided to go big and put uh, Marvin on onto Butler because Butler was just slicing and dicing and doing whatever he wanted to against Bacon. And that's a tough cover for for anybody, but especially a rookie, it was going to be a tough cover. So they decided to go big. That means Frank Kaminsky was in at power forward, and they just didn't do a good enough job rebounding. Just allowed too many offensive rebounds. Frank Kaminsky just not able to be physical enough down low, and, and that's been an issue for him his entire career. And you know when his offense is cooking. It, it sort of cancels out a lot of those issues or when the matchups are favorable to him. Last night, they were not. Like Taj Gibson tossed him around like a rag doll. Carl uh, Anthony, and it didn't help again that Dwight Howard, it just felt like he was uh, not as interested as we've seen him so many times to begin this year on the boards. He, I mean, he's been so active both on the offensive boards and the defensive boards. He wasn't last night for, I think, the reasons that Clifford laid out in that clip we played. Uh, but then when you pair him with Frank Kaminsky and what Taj was able to do, it just was no contest on the board. So that's where you know, MKG, his absence leaked down into into the rest of the rotation. And also, we we got to mention, I mean, Kimball Walker has been the fuel for this Hornets offense and the guy that has been able to come in and save the second unit so many times, a second unit that has been consistently inconsistent. Sometimes their offense is on like it was. You know, they scored, uh, I think they scored around 30 points last night for the Hornets, but defensively they weren't there. So they're either there offensively and not defensively or vice versa. But Kimba has been the stabilizing force Hasn't been able to get going in these past two games, though, David. Struggling from the field, 4 of 12 against the Spurs, 4 of 15 against the Wolves, 1 of 11 from three combined, held to nine points last night, did have nine assists, was getting others involved. But, David, what's going on with Kimba Walker on this road trip so far? Couldn't be a better time to head back to New York for Kimba, Doug. That's <laughs> where he gets right. That's, that's where he... New York City. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's too early for him to be tired, I, I think, but certainly teams are focused on him. You saw last night, I think even like they had, uh, I think Taj Gibson was on him at times. I mean, they're throwing everybody at him right now. He's the focus. They, people know if they shut down Kemba or can make things difficult on him right now, it's going to be tough for anyone else to pick up 
certainly this the distribution the distribution of the basketball so he's you know a lot's on his shoulders but we knew that he knows that and uh i think it's just a couple of down nights but don't you think clifford can point to that last night because the Hornets shot well from the field i mean the offensive statistics were pretty good and say look guys you can still shoot the ball well and get blown out you've got to be able to guard yeah absolutely no offense is not even though kimball walker is struggling the offense for the Hornets has not been the issue, uh, but but he has been able to provide a spark offensively that has, I think, corralled the bench defensively. And, but that's, that's I think, the central problem for the Hornets right now is offense leading to defense as opposed oh, yeah. to defense, you know, defensive um, intensity leading to offensive intensity. So that's... There was nothing... It was one of those games last night where there was nothing easy on offense for the Hornets and everything looked easy for the Wolves. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. And it was two so. different issues, I think, because in Minnesota, Kimball Walker was just missing open shots. Like, it, Jeff Teague has never yep. had anything for Kimball Walker. And th- it was the same story last night against Minnesota. Against the Spurs, on the other hand, I thought DeJounte Murray did a great job of using his length and athleticism to bother Kimball Walker, wasn't afraid to guard him mid-range. A lot of people will give Kimball Walker mid-range shots and Kimball Walker has just been amazing at dropping those in and that's fueled the rest of his offense but the they weren't afraid to guard him at mid-range and the Spurs did a great job of corralling Kimba and putting him in places forcing him left a, a couple of times and that's not where Kimba, Kimba Walker wants to go right every time so uh, that that was a struggle as well but as you said going back to New York he's played well at Madison Square Garden before making maybe make some changes And if you're thinking about making changes, maybe you're thinking about making some changes to your home, I want to take a second to tell you about Knight Residential Group. They are an all-inclusive residential construction company right here in Charlotte, and they specialize in high-end custom construction. We're talking brilliant interior renovations, immaculate custom-built homes. If it can be built, then Knight Residential Group can have it done. With a combined 165 years of construction experience, the Knight Residential Group believes in doing projects with meticulous detail using the highest standards, use Knight Residential Group and you can be sure that you'll have a pleasant customer experience and you're going to end up with a beautiful home. Don't trust your next custom home project to any old construction company. You got to use the group that we trust. Call them, Knight Residential Group at 704-733-9566. That's 704-733-9566. Or visit knightresidentialgroup.com. That's Knight with a K. Join so many other current homeowners in Charlotte and allow Knight Residential Group to provide you with your forever home. Uh, They are a sponsor of this show. They support local Hornets talk. So Definitely want to give them a look and a call. Have to mention Michael Carter-Williams getting his first action last night with the Hornets. Not much to judge from. Only eight minutes did play in that uh, crucial second quarter period that I talked about. The 21-4 run really had nothing to do with Michael Carter-Williams. Uh, they, I think they inserted him, A, because Trevion Graham had picked up a couple of fouls and they couldn't get him in there in his length. And so they wanted to get someone that could guard one of these wings. So they put Michael yeah. Carter-Williams in. What did you see from him in the eight minutes that he got? Man, just trying to get loose, I think, was the main thing. Like, just trying to get his sea legs under him. Um, it was a tough spot tough spot to go in there and say, like, hey, pull us out of this uh, nosedive we're in uh, today, MCW. But 
Um, moving well, you know, I guess had a, had a good uh, possession on defense there on the corner against Jimmy Butler. So Yeah, had a couple. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's uh, he certainly wasn't going to go out there and have an offensive explosion. That's just not his game. But looks like he could move, and and uh, I guess they'll just see how those knees react. And that's the biggest thing for him, right? He's got his sore knees. They they got to get him healthy. I think he showed. Obviously, he's getting into game shape. He showed that, but I think he also showed some flashes of what the Hornets are going to be looking for from him in terms of his length and athleticism on the defensive end. You mentioned that Jimmy Butler possession. Butler tried to back him down, tried to get that turnaround jump shot, and uh, Michael Carter-Williams was able to rise up, get a hand in his face, and make him miss a shot. And then he also had a nice strip of Carl Anthony Towns on one of Cat's drives. So, Again, Michael Carter-Williams always going to be fierce on the defensive end, and they need that. They need that right now on the bench. So uh, I don't think they could get Michael Carter-Williams back fast enough, but obviously they're being careful with those knees and his conditioning. So hopefully we'll see more of him against New York, and they'll just start working him back, getting him more minutes, even though he came back on a night, David, where Malik Monk was showing that he's grown a little bit as a distributor. One of the bright spots, there weren't many last night. But one of the lone bright spots was Malik Monk and Zeller hooking up three or four times on the pick and roll. What did you see out of Malik Monk? Well, Zeller, right? I mean, we talked about him a little bit before in the preseason and his ability to set screens and help guys with the ball either get open or create space. And he's going to help Monk so much when he does that. And, and, and the more Monk plays with Zeller, the more familiar they get. So I think... If anyone you want out there with Monk, is it's Cody Zeller because of those screens that he's able to set. And, uh, yeah, and then he's going to get used to playing with each other. So that's something good to see because that second unit needs – they need like a, they need something they can rely on, right? When everything else is going wrong, something they can go back to. And uh, having Cody out there with Monk is going to help. Also interesting that Kemba got a little run with that unit um, as well. I mean, he's been out there sparingly at times, but uh, they, he's, Clippers seem to put him back in there a little earlier than usual last night to get him some run with that second unit, kind of catching that ship as well. Uh, interesting to see. Didn't work. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't really help jumpstart Kimba at all last night, but um, it was uh, interesting to see that. I think maybe that was when Travion, who's gotten in foul trouble early, um, you know, the past couple of games or at least throughout the game, maybe that's when he put him in there to, to kind of give them a different look. Maybe yeah. just didn't have another option to go to. Uh, David, we're 10 games into the schedule now. I, I think we, we have a little bit of a sample size to work with. Uh, if someone walks up to you on the street and says, uh, David, how are the Hornets looking right now? What's your sort of, um, we'll give you the long Twitter 280 character analysis of the Charlotte Hornets right now. Yeah, thank you. I think that giving all the injuries and the personnel shortcomings, they've stayed afloat. They've been reliant on Kimball Walker and Dwight Howard has been as advertised, I think, or probably better than advertised, depending on who you talk to. So they've been able to stay healthy or, or stay afloat without being healthy. And uh, they need to get everyone back because the meat of their schedule feels like it's coming up. Yeah, I think in, in nine in the first nine games, we saw a Hornets team that was full of fight, uh, full of resolve, try to battle through some of these uh, issues that they've had with players being out for personal reasons and also out with injury. But I think uh, in the 10th game last night, you saw what if the Hornets don't give maximum effort, w- what happens? Because, you know, they still don't have those, you know, enough superstar talent 
to really sustain, you know, giving half effort on the defensive end. Uh, David, consistency has been something the Hornets have struggled with this season, especially on the bench. Is that that's fair to say, right? Oh yes. One player, one player who has been extremely consistent though is Jeremy Lamb. He's averaging 17.6 points per game on 48% shooting. Got off to a great start last night against Minnesota. He's been a hot starter. You know, he usually starts the game 3 of 3, 4 of 4, really gets into a groove early, setting the tone for the Hornets offensively. He's become a legitimate second scoring threat night in and night out. Last night was the first game that Lamb scored under 15 this season, but he was one of the few players in this one with a positive plus minus. How has his offense changed from last season to this season, David, in your eyes? Well, if you look at his per 36 numbers, right, uh, they're almost the same across the board. I mean, his minutes are almost double. So, I mean, that's where a lot of production is coming from. But two areas that he has kicked it up a notch, regardless of how you uh, how you look at it, is his three-point shooting, Doug. I mean, 46% going into last night, drastically better than any season you've seen from him, from him thus far in his career. And also the assist. I mean, you know, he's not going to replace everything that Nick Batum gives you, but he has been able to crank that up a notch too, to about 3.2 assists a game. And that's something you didn't see from him in the past, regardless of, of how many minutes he got. So those are two areas that he, you know, said he worked on, at least the three-point shooting. Uh, we were kind of hesitant or just wait and see mode on that. But it's 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 burned out, you know. I mean, he's been able to produce consistently, um, has gotten those minutes for sure, has been in the starting lineup. But that's that's an area that you just can't argue with his consistency of providing scoring that's desperately needed for this team. I mean, that was a huge question mark. I think that is another reason they've been able to stay afloat here as guys like Lamb and Kaminsky have been more consistent than they were last year. Yeah, you mentioned his assist numbers. His 16.9 assist percentage entering last night's game ranks him 82nd percentile among NBA wings, according to Cleaning the Glass. That's been as important as his scoring when you consider, David, that he's replacing Nick Batum, who was an expert at setting up his teammates for great shots. So as good as his offense has been, it's been the fact that he's been able to set up others that has allowed, I think, the Hornets to sustain the absence of Nick Batum as well as they have. Again, I still think, despite the two straight losses, I still think 5-5 five and five is, is a comfortable place for the Hornets to be uh, if they can basically rectify whatever happened in Minnesota as they head to New York. Um, but David, it's it's a spot-up game, I think, that's changed the most. He's been out of this world. He's knocking down everything that's coming his way. Synergy has him uh, at, uh, well, let's see, over 1.5 points per possession on the spot-up, 37 points on 23 catch-and-shoot possessions. That's 97th percentile. He's one of the best catch-and-shoot players in the NBA right now. He's That's also great. improved his three-point shooting. As you said, he started the season 1 of 13 from the field. From three, since then, he shot 64%. And despite his success, it's crazy, despite his success at the three-point line, he's still deriving a lot of his offense from mid-range. Over half of his shots are coming from the midsection. The other half split between the rim and the three-point line so far this season. Uh, everything's been going down, but because all of that is coming from the mid-range, David, do you think that Jeremy Lamb's offense is, quote, sustainable, unquote? Mm, I knew you were going to ask me that. 
it's tough to argue against it at this point. Like you said, 10 games in, and he's been consistent the whole way through. I mean, the only thing is we've said this the last, what, two off seasons, right? We've been waiting to see this kick in and, and it lasts for a full season. So I think you'd be kidding yourself a little bit if you didn't say you still got to wait and see if this can play out for 82 games. But, you know, certainly given this stretch, uh, this hot start, it's encouraging. I, I just think, you know, you've got too much history on Lamb, though, to be all in at this point and say all his troubles are behind him from a you know consistency standpoint. But, man, you got to give him credit, honestly. You, you really do because he, he said he put in the work again this offseason and it's showing right now. Um, but it's going to be interesting, especially when he does, because you got to think he's going to go back to that bench unit um, when everybody gets healthy. I know that's that's starting to be a legit question, though. But I got to think Clifford's going to stick with his guys, and so can he can keep that up? You know, when he's not in the starting role, I think that's another question that we just don't know. So the spot up game actually it's one point four one seven points per possession, but that still ranks him above the 90th percentile on spot-up opportunities. Very good at just being a shot maker this season, more consistent shot maker than he has been over his career. And that brings us to our listener poll for this episode. Should Jeremy Lamb start alongside Nick Batum when Nick returns? Right now, 52 votes. 44% say yes. 56% say no. Uh, before this season, the idea of starting Jeremy Lamb alongside Nick Batum was pretty far from reality. I mean, you've always got the people that love Nick Batum and will always cape for him that want him to start. That's one thing. But I think the overall opinion was that Jeremy Lamb could be a valuable bench tool and nothing more. It was in the the, the idea of starting Jeremy Lamb, if you'll allow me one more Stranger Things reference, it was in the upside down. Okay, but after what he's shown over the first few weeks of the season, David, do you at least put that option in the right side up? Everyone healthy, I think you still stick with MKG because of so much that we talked about. Their identity is defense, defense first, and he is super important to this team. Starting, we talk about it all the time, Doug, is overrated, really. I mean, it's the minutes. Overrated. It's it's the time they play, so. I don't think that is uh, – I don't think that's going to happen, but it's good to have that option, right? I mean, it's good to have that to fall back on, but I think they're always going to go back to MKG, uh, everything being equal. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right. I think you still start the game, first seven minutes of the game, you've got MKG in there shutting down the opposing wing. Uh, but I think if Jeremy Lamb can prove – and this is a question mark in my mind – can he prove – that when that starter label is stripped away and when he comes off the bench, can he, can he still get in that same offensive groove? Can he come in at the four-minute mark of the first quarter and go three for three? Because he's getting right. his offense early, he's getting, he's getting hyped up for the game, coming off the bench immediately, and, and, and getting into a groove offensively. Can he do that at the end of a first quarter as opposed to the beginning of the first, first quarter? If that is the case, if Jeremy Lamb can do that and still stay committed on the defensive end, you know, one of the moments that I'm taking away right now is that Spurs game where he, he hits like two major three-point shots in that game to keep it close in the third quarter and then runs back down on defense in transition to get his hand up. Can he, can he start to do that if he misses a couple of these mid-range shots that he's been knocking down? Can all of that, can all of that come together this season for Jeremy Lamb if he does eventually move to a bench role? If that's the case, then, then I think Jeremy Lamb ends up getting you know, more minutes than MKG, closes games, 
and becomes a vital part of this Hornets team. And Clifford mentioned uh, um, after the Milwaukee game, Jeremy Lamb wants a bigger role on this team. Uh, I still think he has some work to do defensively and, and with his awareness, especially on the boards, but he's made huge strides with his offensive consistency, with his defensive mentality, and and we're just going to have to see if that progress can continue once Nick Batum returns. Now, David, Nick uh, Batum telling Steph Reddy that he's targeting November 15th. That would be a classic night. The, yes. the classic jerseys premiering, uh, possibly a Nick Batum premiere. They play the Cleveland Cavaliers, who lost to the Atlanta Hawks last night. God, Cleveland, they can't they play defense. Win. They can't they stop the point win. of attack. Well, I don't. It's crazy. Oh yeah, it's November. Oh, that's right. This is what well, they always do in November. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. But uh, I, feel, I feel more comfortable if they won one before the classic <laughs> night rolled around. <laughs> Maybe that's a question. I don't know. But uh, David, um, Nick Batum, November fifteenth. Too early for you or not soon enough? You don't want to miss those classic jerseys, that's for sure. Uh, well, we you know, we mentioned that last week. It's a little nerve-wracking, but if they're going to try and do it, um, I don't know, man. We're not doctors, Doug. We just know what we, we see. Uh, they, I they, only they play one on a podcast. They need them out there. If they if they give them the sign-off, um, you got to be careful with it. He'll, he'll be on a minutes restriction, I, I think, to start at least. So if, if they if that's when they want to, you know, tip their toe in the water, then that's uh, that's when it's going to be. And you'll have LeBron in the house that night in the classic jersey. So, you know, might as well. Steve Bob, uh, Steve Bob Forrest making a cameo here in the studio. I don't think he's going to get on mic, but. Yeah, that's that's a positive. Talk about getting some players back. We get, we're getting Steve Bob back, David, and that's a positive. So be looking for him uh, no this doubt. week. He is uh, fully in the Queen City now. He's like moved back, and you know we're we're wrapping up, Steve. But we'll we'll get you we'll get you soon. Um, I got a question here from Jack on the chat. Would moving Marvin to the bench instead of Lamb when Batum comes back make sense, Jack? I'm unfortunately I don't think so. And and you really have to look no further. Than that Minnesota game uh, when they when when they had uh, Kaminsky in there when they tried to move Marvin out of position or out of the, or out of the lineup, it, it's really a struggle for them defensively and especially rebounding. Marvin helps them so much on the boards that moving him out of the lineup, uh, moving him out of the starting lineup, I think would again it's it's about setting a defensive tone, a physical tone on the boards. That would be difficult uh, to move Marvin to the bench. Um, and not play with the starters. The starters are playing well right now. That's that's the other thing about sort of tinkering with the starting lineup. Uh, as good, as hot of a hand as Jeremy Lamb is, there's still this issue of, you know, let, let's you, you got to get Nick Batum back into the starting lineup. You got to see what he can do. I'm not so sure about minutes restriction. I, I think he's practiced so much. He's he's uh, um, you know stayed in shape. It's not been an injury like to his legs where they would you know sort of limit his ability, his knees or something like that. It's his arm, so he stayed in shape, stayed on that bike, and and I, I think he gets back in there and, and gets pretty close to what you would normally see. Maybe not you know 30 plus minutes, but I think he gets pretty close. I hope it's not November 15th. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I, I just, I'm concerned about re-injury. I just hope that, um, that that they're careful. I think they they will be. And uh, I know Nick Batum, though, wants to get back on that court very badly and, and probably uh, e- even worse now after that game against, uh, against Minnesota because he looks at that game and I'm sure thinks, you know, I can get in there. I can help. I can fix whatever's going on. 
and, and that's a natural reaction from a competitor, but especially Nick Batum, who really saw this season as as a you know as a turning point in his NBA career, and he wants to get back on the floor as soon as possible. This has been an incredible show, David, uh, especially after a loss. Like sometimes the the post loss shows are a little tough, but we got some Stranger Things talk in there. Uh, we we did hit some positives with Malik Monk. So all in all, I really enjoyed this show. I'm so glad. I, maybe it's the coffee. I had a double dose of coffee this morning. Maybe that's it. And the live chat. I mean, the live chat was live to, uh, to, uh, this morning. So thanks to Double M15, Jack, John. Uh, John, I think I haven't seen John in here very much. So welcome in, John. Hope to see you back. Quote, uh, who else? Jack, oh, Gray. Gray was in here on the live chat. Welcome in, Gray. Uh, thanks to all the Buzzamaniacs out there. Make sure you check out patreon.com forward slash L-O-H. It's a way to support this show. Every dollar that you uh, send to us goes right into making this a better show. The services, the equipment that we use uh, to make this show go. Uh, thank you so much to everyone that listens, watches. We're going to be back tomorrow with more on a very, very important game against the New York Knicks in New York. A lot to talk about because the Knicks are are not the embarrassment uh, that we're accustomed to talking about on this show. So it's going to be a very interesting game uh, for all involved. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you use to get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets and tell somebody. Get some people in on uh, the best Hornets talk that you can find anywhere. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.